Hey everybody, what's up? This is Len, aka the Fat Triple. Welcome to the latest stop on the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. I am here with my co-host. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's all soul Wednesdays, eight to ten on G Town Radio. Tonight we are continuing Listener Request Month as we review 1991's Straight Out of Brooklyn. Straight out of Brooklyn. Written, produced, directed, and paid for by young 17 to 19-ish year old yeah. Matthew Matty Rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, a very uh, interesting slice of life that was suggested by Michelle Mission follower Jenny B. Mich- at Je- Real Jenny B. On Michelle Twitter. Missionary. Michelle Missionary. You're right. I am very sorry. We're Michelle Missionaries. She is a Michelle Missionary. We have a few Michelle Missionaries. Yeah. So we'd have we have Jenny B. Yeah. We're all on the mission together. We have Dan Dinkins. He's definitely a Michelle Missionary. He's he's the mayor of the missionary. He's the mayor of missionaries. Yeah. Got Robert Monroe Jr. Yeah, we've got um, Mark Butler. Yeah, now you know this is dangerous. You shouldn't do this because you don't because you don't forget people. Ones that I won't name. Well, I well, I mean, they, did y'all have romper room in Philly when you were kids? Romper room, romper yes. room. Yes, we did. You know what? She never saw me in a magic mirror. Remember, really? she'd had a magic mirror. And she'd say, "I see Tommy, I see Jenny, I see Sally." I see. You remember? Yeah. She, she never saw me. She never saw. Vince. She never saw Vincent, and that always bothered me. So we probably shouldn't. I, I don't because I don't want to have that situation. Well, you're all Michelle. Michelle there you go. We see all of you in the magic mirror, and like that heifer that never saw me. <laughs> in front of TV like how are you not going to see me like how do you not see Vince how do you not see Vince like even as a kid I knew about sort of the intrinsic racism and classism of names so like you know I had friends and cut like you know I, I, I understand you don't see Dante right right or Keisha <laughs> like how are you not going to see Vince I don't know Vince I do not know I don't know I don't know how that's possible so watch all that this one's a mission in that because somebody's gonna say, "Well, why didn't Lynn say my name?" Yeah, absolutely right. So, you are all missionaries. There you go. You're but we're talking about this particular. We're talking about Jenny B. Yes, real Jenny B. Yes, who was the missionary of note for today because we selected her film to review tonight, which is uh, Straight Out of Brooklyn. Straight Out of Brooklyn. But before we do so, all right, we've got a little bit of feedback from our last few shows. Okay, um, we got a comment from "Don't Touch My Coffin." Yeah, 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 yeah. They hit us up in regards to our review of "Bamboozled." Okay, saying that um, I absolutely love this movie. I being Tom Laporte. I was about to say our our pal Tom. I absolutely love this movie. I love seeing great artists reach for the stars and fall a little flat. It feels like this one was so close to Spike's heart that he reached and reached. It's a bit rough, but it's got heart, and that's more than most movies have. I agree. I'll take an interesting failure, and I don't think there's a failure, but I'll take an interesting failure over a safe sort of, uh, I won't even call it success, like a safe hit Mm. any day. Then in regards to Coonskin, yes, we reviewed last week, Mark A. Randolph hit us up on Facebook and said that, hey, good stuff. You guys made some great points. I like the film a lot. Keep up the amazing work. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Mark. And Steve, the $6 million triple. Yes, of the million dollar triple household. Yes. Of the multi-million multi-million dollar triple household, he said, "I'll be writing you an email, but first, for real, best Michelle Mission episode ever. Yes, even better than the Simone Missick episodes. Fight me, 
What's the best episode? The Coonskin episode? He says the Coonskin wow. episode is our best episode. Okay. Well, we had to go back and study it. Wow. Study it like Will Smith studied brand new funk. <laughs> Put it on the tape and analyze it. it. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Steve. That is high praise. Yes, it is. Indeed. Yes, it is. It is high praise indeed. And, um, and wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, all right. I'll take that. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm going to take that and run with it, baby. Trust me. Trust me. I, I really appreciate that. That was ve- uh, very nice of him to to say, you know. Um, that was basically all the response that we got. Okay. Right. I really thought that Coonskin was going to be a, more of a polarizing. I think, I think Coonskin will live on. I think Coonskin is one of those episodes because Coonskin is one of those movies. Yeah. You know, like, like I think as, as people kind of find the podcast and cause I know when I find podcasts, I don't listen to them in chronological order. Okay. Like I look for episodes that they're like, Oh, I'll look. And, and I know Coonskin is one of those films that people have very strong opinions about. Yes. So speaking of strong opinions, before we turn on the mics, <laughs> You were telling me, Vince, uh, about a little bit of a controversy that's going on out there right now because there seems to be a little backlash out there in the social media sphere towards one particular radio host named Steve Harvey. I can't, Lynn. Lynn, I can't. I cannot. What? I am not going to eat up Tom talking about clown (laughs) Steve Harvey. I'll just... I just... There seems to be a backlash because Steve Harvey... Steve Harvey. I'm gonna say this about Steve Harvey. But wait a minute, let me let's let, let okay, all right. Not know Steve Harvey recently had a would would, would classify as a sit down with President Elect Donald. Trump? Yes, yes, and then he had a photo op with him, and I think it's more photo op than sit down. But mm. you, you know, I wasn't in the room. <laughs> but I'm just saying. But I don't know how much policy you're gonna talk with Steve Harvey. But you know, all right, true that. What do you want to say about Steve? all I said? Look. I think privilege comes in many forms. This is what I always say when I talk about Steve Harvey, Ayala Van Zant, any of these people. I think many of us are privileged to have people in our lives mm-hmm. that have mentored us, mm-hmm. that help us with good decisions. Like, you know, I have both my parents are alive. Both my in-laws are alive. I've got uncles and aunts and way up to the 80s my entire life. Right. So that I've never been in a position where I would need advice on anything from somebody on television or the radio. But if, if Steve Harvey is offers you advice that you need, then God bless you. Take the advice. If it's good advice. However, if you find yourself in a position where you need advice and like the font of knowledge that you have to turn to is Steve Harvey, you need to take a step back and think about your life. Really? Cause you are in a bad place. <laughs> like if you are dying of thirst and the only thing that you have to drink is a glass of Steve Harvey that's that's a bad place to be in mm. so that's all I'll say and, and certainly you know Steve Harvey somewhere talking about policy is not that that does not give me any great confidence about President elect Trump's plans for HUD or no, the inner considering city. that you know the only people that he's of color you see him having any type of reasonable, yes, you know, photos with, yes, you see him talking to them, yes, is Steve Harvey, you see Kanye West, Kanye West, Don King, Don King, and Ben Carson. Yes, yes. Now, see what y'all don't know is I use a pop culture term and then put in words in it. That's what Lynn's trying to make me say on the recorder. I'm not going to say. It. I call them a collective of a certain type of in words, but I'm not going to say it. Why aren't you going to say it? Because I'm not going to say it. Why? I'm not going to say. People listen. You to know me. what? If we're in person, I'll tell you. If someone comes up to me in person, I will tell you. Okay. All right. Perhaps even this week, if you come to Crush, see what I did there. You see what segue. I did there? Perfect segue. Um, because you will have an opportunity to walk up to Vince in person this Friday here in Philadelphia, January 20th, at a Malcolm Comics and Coffee House, where the Show Mission will proudly present a movie screening of Crush. Groove, starring Sheila E., Blair Underwood, Run DMC, Curtis Blow, a the Fat Boys. The Fat Boys. I'm about to say the Fat Boys actually star in it. 
um, a, a quick career defining cameo by LL Cool J. Yes. Um, Jekyll and Hodder in it. There's a whole lot of people in, yeah. in, in this movie. And and this movie, it was ostensibly kind of, you know, a fictionalized history yes, of yes. hip hop. Right. In the, what, the mid, yeah. mid 80s? I don't know if Russell Simmons ever made sweet, sweet love to Sheila E. But I don't know. Maybe he did. That's between Russell Simmons and Sheila E. Yes. We shall While the Force MDs sang softly in the background. <laughs> They sing tender love. Tender love. Tender, tender love. Love so tender. So you can come out and see. And then you, if we are in if we are together, you can say, Hey Vince, what did you call that collective of black men that was a reference to a pop culture phenomenon? I'll even give you a hint, a comic book pop culture. And I will tell you. And he will tell you. Yes. He'll also tell you. What? There you go. This is what white people can come to the, okay. come to the screen on, right. on Friday. Right. He'll also tell you what Crush Groove and Steve Harvey have. <laughs> oh well, I'll say that. I'll say that right now. Like like Lynn was asking me about Crush Groove, and I said I like Crush Groove, but it's like on my list of those eighties break dancing rappy movies. Movie. It's actually lower than you would think. Like, you know, I actually like both breaking films. Like I like rapping with Mario Van Peebles. Uh what was your favorite? Oh, my favorite is Beat Street, but I think Beat Street is actually a good film. Beat Street is the movie. Yeah, but I think like just sort of entertain what was the one with Lorenzo Lamas? Body Rock. Yeah, Body Rock with Lorenzo Lamas. I love them. I love them. I love those horrible movies. And the reason I like them more than Crush Groove, and this is why I said you I said, like Body Rock more than Crush. Groove? I like. I think Body Rock is more entertaining in 2017 than Crush Groove because, and this is why I said Crush Groove was the Steve Harvey of these break and slash rap movies. Crush Groove takes itself much more seriously than it should. Okay, true enough. Because they're trying to. Even in a fictionalized way. Right, like they're, like they're trying to say I'm actually a serious movie and you're actually a clown-ass Negro. Wait, I slipped back to Steve Harvey. <laughs> you sure <did>. <laughs> but you see my point. I don't see your point. Because like, while like, they take themselves seriously, I think they're doing that because they want to get... They don't yeah, but it's not that good. Slight to, but it's not that to good. To the culture that they're trying to... But do. it's not that good. It's not that bad. It's not that bad, but it's not that good. It's better than Body Rock. No, no, no. It's a better film, but Body Rock, uh, Body Rock knows his Body Rock. Like when you cast Lorenzo Lamas, he pretty much set the die. Like when you say we're basically going to make Saturday, we're going to remake Saturday Night Fever. We got a budget of seven hundred dollars, and we're going to cast Lorenzo Lamas in the John Travolta role. You know what you're doing. <laughs> like when you say we're going to make a movie called Rapping R A P P I N apostrophe. And it's going to star Mario Van Peebles as a character called Rappin' Hood. Mm-hmm. You kind of know. Like, nobody's real. Like, you know, we're not remaking Macbeth here. Okay. Crush Groove, you get the sense that Russell Simmons thought that this was going to be part of his legacy. You want to see a movie. You think this takes itself too seriously. You need to see, which we will eventually get to, run DMC's tougher than leather come on stop why would you think that i have not seen tougher than leather 10 times 10 times why would you not think i I like tougher than leather better than crush groove oh are you serious oh come on run run as an action hero is is i think i start laughing from the moment tougher than leather comes on (laughs) true from the moment it comes on i laugh all the way to the end true but it's not better than Crush Groove. Yeah, I didn't say it was better. I said it was more entertaining. Well, you said better, actually. Did I? You said you like it more. Yeah, I like it more because it's more entertaining. Okay, but it's oh. not better. 
Oh, uh, flash forward. Oh, I mean, fat. Is he the flash? I think it's fast forward about the dance troupe from like Iowa who come to the big city <laughs> to be dancers. Oh, I love those horrible eighties. Again, I don't even know that one. Oh, oh, it's oh, it's fantastic. I don't even remember the dudes who were in it. It's like the one black dude who like the roles that Blair Underwood would turn down. Mm-hmm. He would take them. Like he was in a couple of things. That's really low, because Blair <laughs> was eating off of Denzel scraps, <laughs> like we talked about it. So that's really bad. Yes. <laughs> like, when you see this dude, you'll say, oh, right, that guy. <laughs> wow, I'm trying to think, who was eating off of Denzel? Who was eating off of Blair scraps? Wow. Fast forward, it was five people, it was, it was two black, it was a black man, a black woman, and three white people, and they were like from Iowa or something, and they came to the big city to become dancers. Wow. And then they got into some stuff. They always get into And then stuff. like the white dude fell in love with a rich girl. <laughs> wow, do you know who directed that movie? Who? You never guess. Sydney Portier. Shut up. Okay, okay, we're scheduled up until like March, April, we're doing fast forward. Fast forward just got fast forwarded to the top of the list. Sydney Poitier did not direct fast forward. Sydney Poitier, dude, I lie to you not, I am looking at it right Fantastic. here. Fantastic. Here, 1985 musical fast Forward. Yes. 1985 dance film directed by Sydney Portier. Shut A dance up. troupe from Ohio comes to New York to compete in a natural national talent. See, I told you. I know my bad 80s movies. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I never heard of it. It is terrible and highly entertaining. Oh man. It stars um John Scott Clow. Of course it does. And Don Franklin. I think it's Don Franklin. I think it's Don Franklin. I think it's Don Franklin. Who I think IMDb. Is that the black guy? Refuses to give me a picture. I think it's Don Franklin. They refuse to give me a picture. I think it's Don Franklin. Don Franklin was like in four things. And when you see him, it's like, oh, this is some Blair Underwood turned down. Oh, yeah. that's Oh, that's him. Yep. Yep. Don't you recognize him? Yup. I'm telling you, he got the stuff that Blair Underwood turned down. He sure do, man. I'll watch Fast Forward every day and twice on Sunday before I watch Crush Groove. Oh, my God. Oh, we may have had to make a special stop on Miss Showman. <laughs> We gotta do. We gotta sneak that in for Black History Month. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know, we're we're due for some Sydney Portier anyway. Yeah, we we, are. we talked about. It. I'll just go ahead and 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 show my hand. Like we said, February we're going to do romances, mm-hmm. and I want to do Paris Blues. Okay, which cool. is Sydney Portier and Diane Carroll. There so. you go. There you go. All right. There we should go. probably talk about. We should probably talk, talk about the movie. <laughs> straight out of. So we should probably talk about Straight Out of Brooklyn. Something. <laughs> We're like 15 minutes in, dog. Come on. Come on, let's go, Mr. Producer. Um, <laughs> Talking about Steve Harvey and Blair Underwood scraps. Come on. <laughs> Eat a producer. Okay. <laughs> 1991, straight out of Brooklyn. Winner, special jury prize, 1991 Sundance Film Festival. That's the American dream, Shirley. That's what my mother and father worked like dogs all their lives for. Get out of Brooklyn, where every home boy is. Girl, man. She got a stupid heart. Hey, From acclaimed 19-year-old filmmaker Matty Rich comes a daring new film straight from his own life. All he wants is just what's best for his family like any other man. What did you want to be when you was a young man? I wanted to be a doctor. You know, you can still be a doctor. Yeah, I ain't got no time to go to school. You gotta eat. (laughs) Oh, I gotta eat. From father to son. My son doesn't want to eat with his father because he's ashamed of him. Look at us, man. Look at you. All we do is walk around these damn projects all day. Woo! Look at that fly car, man! 
Everybody out there is getting paid but us. Generation after generation. But I'm going to change this. I'm going to change it. Huh, Daniel, what's she going to do? You're going to go out there and you're going to do something stupid? You know what I'd do with a million dollars? No, Dennis. What would you do with a million dollars? I got a plan to get us out of here. All we need is a gun and a car. When it's the only thing you need. You know what I can't afford? It's the one thing you can never have. You mean my house on a Saturday night? Larry, what are you talking about? Sitting next to a nice, warm radiator. We're gonna find you one day, and when we do, that's all I ask for you. I know you want to be a family. You're just going about it the wrong way. There is no wrong way. There's no wrong way out of here. Maddie Riches, straight out of Brooklyn. Straight Out of Brooklyn is a 1991 independent film directed by Maddie Rich in his directorial debut. The film is a story about Dennis, played by Larry Gilliard Jr., last yes. on The Walking Dead, an African American teen living in a housing project with his sister mother and abusive alcoholic father fed up with his family's seemingly hopeless future he plans with his friends including larry love played by director maddie rich to rob a drug dealer this movie directed produced written by maddie rich stars uh, along with uh, larry gilliard george odom as his father and d sanders as his mother um, with featuring original music by Harold Wheeler. Matty Rich would, on the strength of his friends and credit cards and a very reasonably successful radio plea for funding, was able to raise $450,000 to shoot this film when he was 17 years old. He sh- shot it on weekends over the course of two years and a movie that would go on to uh, gross $2.7 million when it was released in 1991. Um, Rich winning the Best First Feature Award at the Independent Spirit Awards in 1992 and George Odom nominated for Best Supporting Male for his portrayal of his father Ray. Uh, And also Harold, Harold Wheeler was nominated for Best Film Music, and the film went on to win a special jury prize at the 1991 Sundance Film Festival. This movie was selected by Ginny B. I didn't she didn't give us any type of uh, commentary about what she thought of the film? Mm-hmm. But Vince, what did you think of Harry Rich's I mean, Straight Out of Brooklyn? You know, I think this is the second time, maybe the third time I've seen it. Like I remember when it came out, and I remember there was a there was a huge there, there, you remember there was a huge um sort of publicity around this and Maddie Rich being you, you know this because of this, how the story because of how young he was in the mm-hmm. story and you know yeah, again if you, if you play um Michelle Mission Bingo congratulations here's a reference to Spike Lee like they really were kind of calling him like the next Spike Lee or you know because he kind of made it on a shoestring budget yep. and if you see him. If you kind of squint, he almost has that kind of physicality. You know, it's a rough film. It's a rough film. You can tell that a 17-year-old made it. Yep. Um, you know, it's a very straightforward plot. But I think there are – I like some of the acting in this film. I like some of the acting. I, I really like um, – I mean, obviously, obviously Lawrence – uh, Gilliard Jr. You talk about him on The Walking Dead, but I'm always going to think about him as being on The Wire. You know, he plays D'Angelo on The Wire, and and is sort of the um, heart and soul of the first couple of oh, seasons. Years, yeah. And you can see the seed of that mm-hmm. in this film. Like, like you can see that he has chops. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, also like Maddie Rich in this movie. Like, I like Maddie Rich, and I like the third. The third actor that plays the um, third friend, Mark Malone. Yeah. You know, so they play the three friends. And I would love to get a look at the script to see how much of the banter between the three of them was scripted 
and how much of it was improvised. Okay. Because they sound like young dudes. Like mm-hmm. they sound like friends and and the banter is very warm and and very sort of natural. And 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 you know whether it's improvised or not, you know what I always say, I think that's a testament to Maddie Rich's direction that it comes across on the film. I think the father, you, you know, again, played by um, George Odom. Odom, is more nuanced than you would think. Like, there are scenes in here with the father, you know, again, as as you said, you know, he's, a, he's an abusive father, he's physically abusive, he's verbally abusive, but... I give Maddie Rich credit for showing that there are reasons that the family loves him and and you know there there's a certain amount of pity that you as the viewer have for him, you know, because of his life circumstances. And you know, Maddie Rich Maddie Rich's script uh, very much comes from the perspective that the reason he is so abusive is because he's sort of consumed by self-loathing. Because he's, you know, a poor black man and society has kind of, you know, bent him down under its heel and, you know, and it's like he kind of kind of lashes out. So, you know, not a great film. Um, There are moments in it that I kind of like, but, you know, straight out of Brooklyn. Yeah. um, Lawrence Gilliard is a very, very charismatic actor. I find that when he is on the screen, when he was in The Wire, when he was on The Walking Dead, and even here, you know, at the the birth of his career, mm-hmm. that when he is on the screen, it's it's hard to take your eyes off of him. Right. So he does, definitely has a magnetism to him. And um, you're right. You do see the seeds here. They are sprinkled throughout the movie trying to turn the kernels of what is like by what you said a very straightforward plot um very basic dialogue um and but in amongst them there is um a relatively solid performance coming out for such a young guy in such a in such a film that is um, being helmed at the hands of a seventeen year old, which, like you say, his seventeen year old fingerprints all all over this, um, and, and he is to be, Maddie Rich is to be praised for getting this done and getting it released, like he like he it, like he did, and he is to be praised for some of the nuance that you you speak of that is in the plot showing the more um the full scope of the family you know trying to give you an an idea of why the father feels the way that he does um i don't think you i don't think ultimately ultimately i don't think you are shown enough of what the father goes through mm-hmm. to 100% buy into his 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 self-loathing um manic rages to the degree that he does. I mean, that's just me. No, no, no. Um but you do get a, a window into that. And I understand that this was filmed over two years, and it doesn't look like it was filmed over two years. I mean, it definitely looks like it's right. a weekend project, but right. I would have never thought that this was two years that you're asking these people to basically stay looking the same. Yeah, how about that? You know, so um, that is that is you know that is something. Props to the editor, who I assume is Maddie Rich. Got to got to imagine. Can only imagine. Um, that being said, though, I can't say that I like this film. Okay. Um, and I think that is because primarily the other lead in this movie, besides Larry Gilliard, is George Odom mm-hmm. as his father. And his father, I just can't buy into him <laughs> at all, man. I just because I don't think I think I don't think he knows whether or not he's in a slice of life movie mm-hmm. if he's in the second coming of Cooley High. Right, right. Or if he's starring in a very special episode of Sanford and Son. Yeah. Because he is 
all over the place. Now, admittedly, this is his acting. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jacquees Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco, Vince? With your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Well, it's his film debut. I don't know if this is the man's acting debut, but it's definitely his film debut. And he would go on to have pretty much like some smaller roles in some TV shows and stuff like that. Nothing, nothing like of a regular, regular basis. Um, before he actually passed uh, way too young, uh, just last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, his story is so essential to this movie that I want to buy into it but I can't because his acting is just letting me down like his 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 acting to me I just find very laughable yeah in the scenes where he's supposed to be like when he's supposed to be like railing with rage he's railing with rage but when you rail with rage you're never at the the apex the whole time. You, you know what he strikes me as? And it's funny when you said this was his first film and I thought you were going to go one way because I couldn't find any reference to it. He strikes me as someone who comes out of like community theater. Yeah, I kind of got that thought too. You know, I got that thought too. Like, you know, he's somebody that Maddie knew, like he's done a couple of plays in the, in the neighborhood. At the know? community center though. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you know, like he, he's 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 the old guy. He's the old guy in the right. play, you know, and he does that well. Yeah, you know, because you could see him like every line is said with a mad emphasis. Right, right, right. Cause that's how I'm gonna do my line. Right, right, and a lot of yelling back and forth. Yelling. Yeah, that's all he is doing. There's a scene. Where he walks up on his son, uh, Larry Gilliard, uh, Dennis. Dennis. Dennis is outside with his friends doing, I think he's dancing. Right. They're just hanging out. So they're doing a dance. They're doing a do dances. I wasn't sure if he was dancing or if he was imitating a chicken. It's the 80s. It's people, people were dancing. No, that's not that. Did you dance? No, it was the like 90s. That? It was people it was dancing. 1991. Did you dance like that in 1991? I don't, I don't remember, but you know. You didn't dance. Okay. No one danced like that in 1991. Right. And since it was no Facebook, I'm going to stick to that. And, and then, oh boy. So, so, but um, anyway, so. Father walks up to his friends and, and his friends leave, and he has a conversation with with Dennis, and it's the only conversation in the entire movie between them that is civil at all. Yes, so it shows any type of connection between the two of them. Yes. Now it's a good scene because up until then, all you've ever seen is the two of them. If he's not hollering at his son, his son is hollering a. About his father, right to his little sister, right. You know, so it, it's it's kind of that scene is kind of cool for one of two reasons. One, because it shows that in the midst of all the animosity between the two of you, between families, there is always still going to be love, right. So there's always going to at the end of the day, as much as he's screaming and railing and everything like that. Father realizes that this is my young my young son. He's growing into a young man, and I've got to be at least a res- little respectful of that. So that's good, and it's also a scene that shows that um, the actor George Odoms does maybe have a little bit of chops when he's allowed to just kind of settle down. Right, 
right? And maybe get into a scene where he can just really talk back, talk back and forth with somebody. His all his other scenes are against the the mother, played by Anne D. Sanders, oh, who is not giving him anything. No, and uh, you know, I feel for the woman that she's got to walk around with these big, huge, putty scars on her face. Yeah, the whole movie. Yeah, but she's giving nothing. As far as acting wise, back back to him. Um, so it's so it's a shame that the, there wasn't more of that in this film. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that scene because that scene with the three friends on the stoop, mm-hmm. it, it kind of like, like I think there in I think there's there's this sort of um, frustration I have with a cup with a few films from this period and and I, the one that immediately jumped to my mind is Juice. Okay. Where you have these wonderful scenes with these young men mm-hmm. just being friends mm-hmm. and and just sort of you know engaging with one another and 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 all of this but because of the time that it's in a lot of this may have been Maddie Rich's youth there has to be a capital P plot. Yeah. So that, you know, the spine that you build this thing around is, you know, this this impending crime where, you know, they steal from the drug dealer. But the quieter scenes, whether it's this scene with the three of them on the porch and, and you know, um, Dennis talking about the night before with his girlfriend, the first scene with the three of them at the restaurant when they're just kind of going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I actually like the scene at the store. With Larry Love and Kevin, where they almost get into the fight. Are you serious? I like hijinks. I like hijinks too, but that was that was a horrible scene. I like hijinks. I don't like the friends. You don't like so you didn't like Larry Love and Kevin at all. At all, they were annoying. Were they realistic as people? No, though? they weren't. Oh, I don't care. Just because you say "man" eight hundred times in your dialogue doesn't mean that you're being naturalistic. I bought them. I, I, I bought them as friends. I, I bought not. them as seventeen-year-old knuckleheads. I bought them as seventeen-year-old knuckleheads, but I didn't buy them as friends. I didn't sense any sense of of, of camaraderie or chemistry oh, between the three of them. I at I all. disagree. I think at all. No. Yeah, I bought them. So well, I think Larry Gilliard was was in the scenes. It was like, can y'all just shut up so I can see my line and get out of here? I like all three of them. Mm-hmm. I like all three of them together. So no, I I. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You know, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, you're talking about the, the scene, the scene at the store. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so annoying. That was so, and it went on so long. The scene went long. It went on so long because then dude has to come up to him and he's got to like check them about four or five times. Well, I feel like the the actress that played his girlfriend. Missed her, um, Q. Mr. Q. <laughs> she may have because it did go long, it and and I kept long. and there was an opening for her to come back there, and then it just kept going, and I did. I thought, oh, she probably missed her Q, mm-hmm. and you know, Maddie Rich can't hack. You, you, you keep it rolling. Can't cut. No, so it's getting late. But okay, oh, fair enough. Yeah, man. Uh, so, uh, and then when they were at the barber shop, oh, uh, there was just annoying. They were just annoying. And, I mean, I didn't like any scene with them. I didn't like the scene at the restaurant. Okay. I didn't like the scene at the store. Fair enough. I didn't like the scene at the at the, um, at the the um barbershop. And the scene when they go to buy the gun. Well, that was ridiculous. It's your first crime. Yes. The dude is talking about how, like, you know, I know your mama's son. I ain't going yes. to. I, ain't, I, I don't want you to go out there like that you don't need to be up in this life you ain't built like that son yes but you know what okay <laughs> i'm gonna hand you i'm gonna hand you a sawed off <laughs> really though <laughs> really i was like though? wow that's that's quite a piece of weaponry yeah. <laughs> and they do the stuff where and, and you know i understand they don't have the money for the props in this end of where they show them looking off camera at all of the guns. Yes. But we never see the guns. Of course not. <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's the gun you decide to that's, hand them, huh? That's the one prop gun y'all y'all y- y- you just had to have. Like he's not trying to start the revolution. I mean, dude, dude, the, 
$450,000, you could have went to K- Toys R Us and bought a fake gun. Yeah, or or you know, and and I, I won't say because I don't know if we were talking about this on 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 mic or not, or like some films that we've talked about, not films that we've reviewed, but we had, remember we had a conversation about a film and there were actual guns. Yeah, like I suspect Maddie Rich could have. I mean, you were in Red Hook I'm in sure, 1991. I'm sure there's a couple of brothers like yo man, find some actual guns. <laughs> so I got you, son. What yeah. you need, son? Right here, son. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Duh. I think this is a film that got more pub than it probably should have because of the moment that it came out. And it really was like I really well, it came out around Boys in the Hood. Right. It came around Boys. In, so it did come out during that period where you had all these young male filmmakers right and and everyone was sort you you know like like you know there were all these stories and and you know the black pack and this that and the other and Mm -hmm. in retrospect i don't even know if they these dudes even hung out with each other right but you know it got this pub i don't know how well it ages but it certainly is a curio from this moment and then i love the fact that maddie rich made two films like he made this this sort of kind of slice of life like he's from red hook he made it on the weekends this is a, you know this sort of scrappy put his put it together himself film mm-hmm. then his second film is a period piece about martha's vineyard <laughs> the inkwell the inkwell which is an interesting film okay so you know maddie rich straight out of brooklyn i don't know how much you can like I don't know how much you can talk about straight out of Brooklyn. There's not because I I, I I I'm done because I think it is it's a movie that is we any regard given to this movie is because of the story of Maddie Rich because right. it is a great story. It's a great the 17 story. Seventeen year old getting this movie made and getting it out there to the Sundance Film Festival. That is a story. That is an uh, aspirational story for young filmmakers, for young uh, for young creatives. Yeah. However, and when I said like I don't know if you remember if you listened last week, I said I had a great Maddie Rich story, yes. and then in between last week and this week, I was like, yeah, I don't know how cool that is. I mean, he was only like twenty, but then during research for this episode apparently this was a story that happened a few places mm. where where maddie rich you, you know 17 uh film comes out and he's 19 maddie rich used to talk crazy about not going to film school and not going to college and he and spike lee had a very public spat because he dropped out of tish school uh school of art right and said he didn't need it well, he thought they were racist. Right. But he came, I mean, I saw him in, in D.C. when the movie came out, and he basically yelled at all of us in the crowd and told us how stupid we were for being in college. Y'all in college, I ain't even go to college, and y'all giving me resumes, and he laughed and yelled at us. Really? Oh, yeah. That's not something I heard. That's something I was there for. So, like, But, again, he was 19, 20 years old, but apparently, I mean, this was his thing. Mm. So you know this wasn't him having a bad night. This is just that was Maddie Rich's thing. Smelling himself. Man. Like, you know, y'all dummies in college. Ha 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 ha. So. No, that's why he ain't made nothing else since Inkwell. I mean, I ain't gonna I say mean, that's little, why, but you uh, know. It, well, it's I don't well it, you're right. That, that, but like you said, I, I, I think part of the Maddie Rich story was connected to the Maddie Rich story. Yeah. And part of the Maddie Rich story was that, you know, I'm from the projects and I don't have formal training and I did this and this that and the other. And I think you're right. Like it kind of, you know, I don't need to do that. Yeah. And all these old film school boys. I'm sitting here with them and I ain't go to film school. And, you know, Spike Lee don't like that. No, no, don't don't be up on that. Yeah. Third generation Morehouse don't really go in for all that. I just really, I, I really wanted to like this film, man, but uh, I was really hopeful for, and again, you want to give him the pass because he was 17 years old, but I don't give him the pass. Right. Because while I'm hard pressed to think of many filmmakers of that age, so I can't like point to their film. Sure. I do know more than a few creatives right. at that age that show a little bit more deft hand at the art on which they're they're plying. 
Well, at the end of the day, it's got to stand on its own. Like, regardless of how old he is, regardless, I mean, it's got to stand on its own. Yeah, and I, and I really, so, I, I just don't think that it does. I think, you you know, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, I like to eat the meat and leave the bone, but it's it's not a lot of meat. No, it's not. You know, it's Larry Gilliard's performance, which, you know, again, if, if you're a Gilliard fan like we are, mm-hmm. it is neat to see where he started. Yeah. Um, You didn't like the friends relationship. Not at all. I like the friends relationship. So so that worked for me. Um, I thought it, I, I wish it had been developed a little bit more like the couple of scenes where the mother character, the mother, you, you know, apparently works as a domestic and she's with a, um, an agency, an agency mm-hmm. but she eventually loses her job because she has bruises. And then that kind of it, it looks like that snowball because she has to go home and say that she's lost her job, yeah. which then turns into another thing. I, 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 you know, I, I, I could have dealt with more of that, like the connection between the abuse and how it affects her job, and and you and you know, and something like that. That I think, I think people do with with poor people. Like if 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 something is unattractive, we we don't want to address it. Don't want to see it. We just right. don't want to see it. Yeah. So like you're coming to my house. Clearly, you're being abused. But rather than saying, you know, is this something that should be addressed? You just can't come to my house anymore, right? Because I don't want to see that. Yeah, and you there know, was a lot to a lot of other relations. I think uh, an interesting relationship to explore is like the little the little girl, the his sister, yeah, his little sister, um, who not given much to do in this film, right? Right. But I think that even just an inkling to how she felt about what was happening. Right, with her mom and her dad there. I mean, you got some, but not a, not a not a whole lot. Um, right. I think about the um, Fresh's cousin and Fresh and Fresh. You know, when our early episode who comes in and tells Fresh, you know, you gonna mess if you mess this up, yeah. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's like you have the actual pressures of the world, mm-hmm. but then you have like the child level pressures. That's so, right. so yeah, That's I, right. that would have been nice to see how this is affecting her as well. Especially when by the end, both of them are orphans, man at end, they're orphans. They're going to have to go to the orphanage first, <laughs> a place for whores and orphans. Yeah. I'm still mad that I miss black dynamite. There is, um, <laughs> there may not be a more distinct, Disturbingly funny scene than the last scene of this film. <laughs> I was like, "How much are they gonna make Larry Odom run?" Because he don't—he doesn't really look like he's enjoying this. Well, first of all, it made no sense. These two young, but these two young boys are chasing Larry Odom. Larry Odom, let's let. So the friends, for those of you who have not film, seen the film, rob the local drug dealer. That's the extent of the plan. Yes, it took them two weeks to plan. <laughs> yeah. It took two weeks to plan how you're going to just run up on a dude when he comes out the house. So now the drug dealers are driving slowly through the projects looking yeah, for. It is. <laughs> it's it's not a good plan, Dennis. It's not a good plan. You better not come out, boy. I've never robbed drug dealers, but I feel like robbing the local drug dealer that stands in front of your house. With no mask on, is not a good plan. And a bullhorn. And yes, you know you need milk, boy. You gonna come out? <laughs> Ain't no bread in that house. Oh boy, that apparently he knows your name and your entire family structure. <laughs> There's his father. <laughs> his father. I was like, wow, Dennis, you, you ain't really think this through. He did not. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, he chases. Sees the father, and then chases him to where, and you know, they asked that man to jump head. They asked him. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, why is he in the air? That's that just looks uncomfortable." Like Yafet Koto on the set of oh, the Monkey Hustle. Oh my god! Yafet Koto was like, "Wow, he sure looks awkward." <laughs> Let me show you how to run. <laughs> yeah, run with your knees. <laughs> Come here, George. 
going to Yaffa Kodos. <laughs> yeah, George Odom shit. That, that's a shame they made that man run. It's a shame they made that man run, but then they stopped the movie on his face, man. <laughs> they hold the camera on his face for like about a good two minutes. That's Looked like man of the stroke. That's terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that was terrible. You can tell Matty Rich just ran out of script, ran out of film, ran out of money. He just, look, movie's over. <laughs> the father's dead. The mother's dead. We're going to put a, um, Find me a caption. We're going to put a caption up. Find me a Bible verse. That's the end of the movie. It say dead. <laughs> it don't say George in it, too? I will go with it. Can I say wake up? I can't do that. You can't do that. That's copywritten. All right, what can I do? All right, here. Yeah. Well, just, just leave them there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's not a good ending. Well, there you go, Jenny. That's um, straight out of Brooklyn. And uh, for all of you who are trying to find it, don't bother. It's it's nowhere. Uh, it 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 is nowhere. Like we, like it is. We had to go to some questions. We sources. we had. To, I will say this. I ended up looking at it on my tablet because I ain't want to pull this stuff up on my computer. Mm. I ain't know what was going to crawl into my um hard drive on the computer. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, uh, it's on DVD though. It's yeah. it's it's on DVD. It's on DVD. You know, at a bodega near you. It's on DVD, and I, I wish Maddie Rich would have done more. Like I think his, I think. Did you like the Inkwell? I did like the Inkwell. I liked how audacious the Inkwell was, and I liked some of the performances in the Inkwell. Like we were talking about Jada Pinkett Smith a few weeks ago in Bamboozled. Um, I'm not a huge Jada Pinkett Smith fan, mm-hmm. but in my handful of performances that I like her, the Inkwell is one of them. Okay. Yeah. I actually really like Lorenz. I like I like Lorenz Tate in the Inkwell. I Lorenz, like Lorenz Tate is very rarely bad. I like Joe Morton in the Inkwell. Joe Morton's very rarely bad. I like um I just forgot his name, Colonel Taylor. Oh, uh, uh, Gil, um Glenn Turman. I like Glenn Turman in the Inkwell. Yeah, another guy, very rarely bad. Also, and this isn't really appropriate or critical Inkwell is real brown. Very Inkwell good. got Phyllis Stickney in it. Yeah. It's got Vanessa Bell Calloway in it. Yeah. It's got AJ Johnson in it. Mm-hmm. It's got my girl that I always forget her name, but she was in Tap. The mm. sister who was in Tap. Mm, I can't remember her name either. I know yeah, you. Inkwell, Inkwell, real brown. Yeah. And you know. It's a pretty movie. I'm pro brown. I like I I do like the Inkwell. There's a lot of sisters with their legs out in the Inkwell. <laughs> See, that's not appropriate. Nor is it really critical, but you were asking me why I like the Inkwell. <laughs> you were you were pretty good at Glenn I'm just, Turman. I'm just saying, but you know, it's like AJ <laughs> Johnson, AJ Johnson, Phyllis Stickney, and Vanessa Bell Calla. That's a whole lot of brown in one movie, and I'm there for that. <laughs> you could see his face. Like I put my hand one, please. Seat for one. You can see Vince's face. You look. Like- I like to vote for Proposition Three Hundred Three, brown thighs in the inkwell. You look like a brother with all the Kool Aid. I'm just saying. You got the great for that. I like the inkwell. <laughs> Phyllis Stickney used to had because you know she used to be a comedian, and Phyllis Stickney used to had is that called the power of the booty? Yeah. Who I used to like. Phyllis Stickney was all right with me. Phyllis Stickney did not work enough. Really? I, I'm trying. I can't call her. She played the psychiatrist in the Inkwell, who was helping Lorenz Tate, who had some doll that he used to talk to, and the doll told him to burn stuff down. See, the Inkwell was. That's what we should have done. Was the Inkwell? Because <laughs> <laughs> the Inkwell was wild. Lorenz Tate had a homemade doll that used to talk to him. Make him want to burn stuff down. Oh yeah, Phyllis Stickney. Stickney, yeah, Phyllis Stickney was alright with me. Oh, oh yeah, she was alright. She was. A, she played the lawyer. She played the um the lawyer in New Jack City. 
Yeah. That went to law school with Mario Van Peebles. Yeah. She was also one of the sisters on the couch in um Jungle Fever where they were where Lynette McKee and all the all the women were talking mm-hmm. about how men cheating this, that, and the other, and she was one of the sisters on the couch. I didn't know that she was a comedian. Yeah. She used to have a bit called The Power of the Booty. Wow. Okay. I may be America's biggest Philistickney fan. You might be. I may Vincenzo. be. I may indeed. You may very well. In- so, so, you know, Vanessa Bell Calloway and Philistickney and A.J. Johnson sign you and up, the huh? sister from TAP. That's, that's, that's a whole lot going on in Inkwell. Well, inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, inappropriate. You're just you're just sharing your admiration. I'm just and and, all, and you know and I this, said that's always appropriate. and I front loaded the other stuff. You did. You know I just ended with that. You just you're sounding guilty now. I'm just saying you know it's more no reason to be more chestnut is there for the ladies. There you go. Or for the men who like. Men, you know, Morris Chestnut. You're just digging nut- deeper. I'm just saying. Just, Morris just, Chestnut's an attractive man. Why don't you just let it go? I'm man. just saying. He got like itty bitty shorts. So that's straight out of Brooklyn, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. How's and then the Riz Tate tries to I'm, murder him. I'm trying to save you. I'm telling you, the inkwell is wild. <laughs> it's kind of like you ever think about how in the Breakfast Club, Anthony Michael Hall like joked about how, like, they kind of played it for a joke that he brought in the flare gun. Because his lamp wouldn't like, I was thinking about it because I'm trying to put a light in my fan. You, you know how they have the light conversion kit? Right. And I tried to put, and it won't light. Like, I don't know what the problem is, but it won't light. So it made me think of Anthony Michael Hall in the Breakfast Club. And I told my wife, I said, I'm about to come in here with a flare gun and shoot at the shop teacher. And they played it for jokes because this was like 20 years before Columbine. Right. And it was like, yo, Anthony Michael Hall. That that's not funny at all. Like it's the other terrorist. kids, are, you're right? That's so. Like Lorenz Tate tried to blow up. He either tried to blow up the car, or he cut the brake lines or something. Yeah, he did some car. It's like Lorenz Tate just tried to kill Morris Chestnut. We just we just going we we not going to talk about that. And then he slept with AJ Johnson. What, what would you have done? I'm just saying. No, 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 it's not what I would have done. It's what AJ Johnson shouldn't have done because he was like 15. <laughs> Like it's a lot going on in the inkwell. It's really icky in the <laughs> Like he clearly has some issues. He got a dog that talks to him, tells him to play with fire and burn down things. And him and Jada Pinkett are stealing lobsters. This is supposed to be a review <laughs> straight out of Brooklyn. But now I, you know what I've done? I've made everybody want to go <laughs> and get into the inkwell. People came for straight out of Brooklyn. But now they're going to leave with the inkwell. They left with the inkwell. Well, <laughs> there's something. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we shall shut down <laughs> this edition of the Michelle Mission. Uh, you can find all of our episodes at MichelleMission.com. Streaming for your download and streaming pleasure. Um, the Michelle Mission airs as a radio broadcast every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on WPPMLP 106.5 FM in Philadelphia and Camden. Please feel free. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. Any thoughts, concerns, commentary, what have you. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Mission Michelle. Like us on Facebook and on Instagram at Michelle Mission. And hopefully we'll see you on Friday, January 20th at Amalgam Comics for our screening of Crush Groove. And if you really want to help us, help us out a lot, it'd be very nice if, if you are an iTunes subscriber, if you can go in and just give us a, a rating and maybe even a little few words uh, of uh, acknowledgement in a little... Uh, you know, blurb that says how much you enjoy the show. Or if you don't enjoy the show, <laughs> email us. Yeah, let us know. The email us that. You know. What can we do better? Because letting, honestly, by the algorithm that iTunes uh, uses, the more ratings and rankings that we get, the more visible we are uh, in the iTunes library, and thus people have a greater chance of finding our show. 
Okay. And then we'll get up there and we can finally, we can get out there with the Denzelets of Denzel Washington is the greatest there you go. actor ever. All right. We're out of here. It's been fun. It's been real. Next week, Pootie Tang. Pootie Tang Sadate. Right here on the Michelle Mission. I'm Len. He's Vince. And parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.